Open to the book of Genesis chapter 1. Pastor Joe, um, for about three weeks, opened um, our study of Genesis, and I was able to sit through part of one um, and was um, just blessed by Pastor Joe's teaching ministry and the way Pastor opens our hearts, our, our eyes, and our minds to the Word of God and also brings it home for us through practical application. Um, we know that Pastor Joe has been talking about the beautiful works of God's creation and the way the Lord had created um, something out of nothing, how the Lord separated light from dark, and how the Lord takes us out of our darkness into the light. Knowing that Jesus is ultimately the one that makes it all possible. And, uh, and so we're going to pick right up where Pastor Joe left off. He told me he went all the way to verse 13. <laughs> and we had a great conversation, uh, Pastor Joe and I. I said, okay, bro, where are we going to be uh, picking up from? He's like, bro, verse 13. I said, all right, let's do this. So I'm going to try and bring us through the rest of chapter 1 today. But if, um, if you know how, how fast we've been getting through the book of Romans on Sundays, I don't know if that will be feasible. Nonetheless, let us go to the Word of God. How many of you know that God is always at work? God is always at work. He's always at work. He's always at Melaka. Melaka is the noun for work. Melaka. And the verb for work is malak. It's a Hebrew word. Promise you, it will not get you brownie points with God to know that word. But I want to highlight this word and its meaning and its significance. Because in Genesis chapter 1, we read that all that God did was work. In verse 1, it says, in the beginning, God created. He started it off. He created. Bara. God is always busy, and he's always working. He's at work in your life. He's at work in my life. He's at work in this church. God is at work in this world. Many people have asked the question, how could there be a God and how could God be good and how could God be at work when we see so much evil, when we see so much bad, when we see so much suffering? And that's for a later teaching. You're going to have to keep coming back on Wednesday nights to hear as we break into chapter 3 to explain why all of these things are so and why all things can't just be paradise and why all things can't just be perfect like we want them to be and why relationships can't just all just be straightforward and easy and and wow you know just no issues no problems we're going to get to that at a later time but today I don't want to get us off track I want us to understand what God is doing while being at work it says here that 
He created. How many of you know that God is self-generated power and creative? God is the one who self-generates everything. There was no creator before God. He made something. He made everything out of nothing. When you're having a tough day, when you're going through trials, when you're going through difficulty, take off the crown of condemnation that you're carrying around because of our guilt and our shame and our brokenness and our sin nature and reflect upon the, 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 the hugeness of God. Because sometimes we wallow in our, in our, in our, in our mistakes, we wallow in our own problems, in our own situations, and we forget that he is such a big God, and more than that, he is a forgiving God, and he's a merciful God. He's a God that sees all things, creates all things. He is patient with us in our shortcomings. He is patient with us in our doubt, in our unbelief. But he is an all-powerful creator. How many of you know that the enemy is not a creator? Satan is an imitator of the creator. And the world imitates Satan. The world is modeled after the great substitute, trying to fill itself with substitutes for the real thing, trying to look for ways to fill the empty voids that we as people have in our souls and in our hearts and in our lives with cheap imitate, cheap imitation stuff, counterfeit, like cheap imitation crab. I can't stand it. Give me some real ceviche. But we serve a a good God, and he is a great God. Don't ever forget that. We have to resist the temptation to let our minds and our hearts go to the place of confessing and proclaiming that God is good and God is great. Don't get weighed down by the trouble that our world faces. Don't allow depression to break into our hearts, our minds, our spirits. And if we're going through those kinds of things, in the name of Jesus, by faith, declare that you are breaking free and that you can praise and that you can worship, just like our sisters shared earlier today. Let worship help you break through that thing. So in Genesis, we know that the word Genesis means what? Beginning. Genesis is a Latin word, and it, it gets to the beginnings of things. Look what happens in verse 3. And God said, there's an action verb, amar. Everybody say amar. When God said, you guys, and he spoke, everything came into being. 
Verse 3 says, and God says, let there be light, and there was light. God was active. God was working. God was doing. God was creating. God was speaking. Verse 4 says that God saw. How many of you know that God has eyes? But he has neither body part nor form. He doesn't look like us. There's not this big, massive, marshmallow, stay puff looking like man up in heaven somewhere. He's beyond that. He is, God is beyond that. But God sees all. God knows all. And he's all powerful. God saw in verse 4 that the light was good. Verse 12, look what it says. Verse 12b, and God saw that it was good. God is doing, God is working, God is moving. Verse 7 says that God made. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. Look at in verse 8, it says that God called. God called the expanse sky, and there was evening and morning, so on and so forth. Verse 17, it says that God set comes from the Hebrew word nathan, which means to give. So God sets, and he gives, and he places. I'm just bringing up all these things that God does. God is always at work. God is an active God. God is not sitting around somewhere sleeping. God, is, God knows what is going on. And the last action verb that I want to highlight is in verse 28 at the end of chapter 1 where it says, God blessed. God blessed them and said to them, so on and so forth. And the Hebrew word for bless is barak. Barak. We're studying the word of God and we're seeing that in Genesis it's full of God's actions. All right? And it should be a reminder to us as Christians, as believers, that as spiritual as we would like to be and as spiritual as our faith is, we can't just allow our faith to be this far-off thing or this invisible type of thing, this kind of, this, con this conceptual way of life. You guys, our faith has got to be put into action. Just like God. God saw, God dreamt up, God imagined creation. God had a desire to be worshipped, he was not alone. He wasn't lonely. He wasn't feeling bad. God loved. So he created. So when God creates, it's because he loves. And because he loves, God creates. And when God created, he created this creation that was able to love him back and to worship him. So when we understand our 
purpose, when we understand our identity, when we understand the way that we were made, we were made to worship. We were meant to worship. We were meant to take our faith and put it into action. Not to sit on our faith like some of us sit on our hands. No, God wants us to put our faith into action just like him. Amen, church? He's an action-oriented God. You go to work. You don't do any work. What happens? You get fired. Now, you don't got to get in. You don't got to do any work to be saved. God did the work for you. Jesus did the work. It's called the work of Calvary, the work on the cross. God did the heavy lifting for you and I. So work is not going to save you. Work doesn't get you to heaven. But work demonstrates that we are understanding, we're growing, and we're, we're, we're putting our faith into motion. We're modeling, modeling ourselves after God himself. That's how people will know that you are a believer. It says that they will know us by what? Our love. And love is action. And love is work. God is work. God is love. God is action. Can I hear an amen? One of the things that I wanted to highlight today here in verse, verses 3 and so on are the several days. And, and we're going to be teaching through this lesson. So I don't, I'm not going to rush through it and try to cover it all at once. But I want to talk about this notion of the days or periods of time that God created. How many days did the Bible say that it took God to create the heavens and the earth and everything in it? Six. Six days for him to create. Six days God worked. And then on the seventh day, it doesn't actually say that he worked. It says that he did what? He Sabbathed. He Sabbathed. He rested. He seventhed. On the seventh day, he rested. He Sabbathed. Okay, so we see here that this period of time, or in Hebrew it's called Yom. Everybody say Yom. Anybody know why the Los Angeles Unified School District was given the day off today? Because of Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is a Jewish holiday, and it's called the Day of Atonement. And Day of Atonement basically means it's the day that, that the Jewish people would worship and celebrate the fact that God has allowed them to be atoned. So there was work involved. And does anybody remember, <clears throat> see how we're going to tie this in today. Does anybody remember how the Hebrews, how the Jewish people atoned for their sins? Does anybody remember what, they, what did they have to do? They had to sacrifice different types or kinds of animals depending on how much money they had. If they were rich, they sacrificed the bull. If they were, didn't have that much money, they'd sacrifice a, a lamb. If, if they were broke, they would sacrifice a pigeon. No, I'm serious. And it was kind of like classism in a way. But on Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement, they had to perform this work. And the work was to kill, 
to kill, to, cre- to, to present the, 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 the blood of the sacrifice. And the blood was a demonstration that something had to pay the penalty for what? For our sins. So we're seeing here that there's this other meaning of, of what work does, but we're learning here in the beginning, and, we, and we're going to get into the theology of work later on, but over here in the beginning, we're seeing that work was not a bad thing. The theology of work or even God toiling or labor, laboring right here was not a bad thing. Have any of you guys ever made anything or created anything with your own hands? Yes, raise your hand if you've ever made something. Everybody should raise your hand. I mean, everybody's done arts and crafts at some point in time. Right? I mean, kids in... Um, a girls ministry, rainbows class right now. They're making stuff right now. Right, Eli? Well, we've all created things and some of our projects just start to take on different shapes and move on to, you know, larger projects. Like Pastor Joe and Jessica made and created the TM logo that's out there in the foyer. You guys see that in their big welcome entrance? They created that. They made that with their own hands. Isn't that amazing? Give them a round of applause. I can't do that. I get exposed. And, you know, I, that's, there's certain areas and places of life where I'm like, I, that's where I stop. But guess what? Whenever we've created anything with our own hands, man, you, some, sometimes you sit back and you go, wow, I did that. And then other times you sit back, you go, wow, I did that. And like what Pastor Joe pointed out, though, you know, God, he sat back and he created the heavens and the earth and the full expanse and everything in it, all the animals and everything. Wow, that's good. If I don't say so myself. God, God said, that's good. It's good. All right, here we go. Verse 14. So we were talking about day, right? We were talking about the different days. And I'm gonna, I'll, I'll spend another week where we go kind of like highlighting these different days. But um, just for, as, a, as, a, as a way of, of entry point for me uh, into the Wednesday night Bible study, I just want to highlight the fact that there are a whole bunch of different scholars and theologians. There's a bunch of people that are part of a, um, an old earth theory, right? Creationist theory. And then there's people that are part of a young earth all right, whether you're a young earth or an old earth theorist, it doesn't have to have anything to do with your faith in God. Okay, whether you believe in dinosaurs and the earth is millions and millions of years old or not, and you think that's all conspiracy theories, that's fine as long as you believe in God, as long as you believe that Jesus is God, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and mine, rose on the third day for your forgiveness of sins, then Guess what? That is the most important thing that you and I should hold closely to our hearts and our lives. I've studied a lot, um, not as much as some people out there in the world. I've listened to a lot of scholars, lots of professors on Old Testament theology, scholarship, New Testament. And there's a whole spectrum of beliefs. And guess what? The beautiful thing, so far, all the ones that I've studied all believe in Jesus. They all believe in God, but they all have different ideas of what they think actually happened in the beginning. You can, you can sit down with some, some brilliant, brilliant minds. Watch, pay attention. 
and they'll believe that there was a big bang, and but that was God's voice going <laughs> Did you know that scientists right now are still demonstrating that the stars and the planets are still separating and moving away from some kind of initial beginning of the heavens and the earth. Scientists can't recreate what God did. They, they're just doing their best to try and explain what he did. But that's why you don't have to take science and faith and keep them separate. You can keep them together. You can marry the two. Every good teacher and educator and the smartest of, of mankind cannot prove or disprove God. And it's faith on either side of the fence that either God exists or that God doesn't exist. You have to have faith that God does not exist if you're going to try and make that claim. You also have to have faith to believe that God does exist because sometimes it's hard for us to see everything that God did and piece it together because we have finite minds. And we're trying to comprehend an infinite God with our finite minds. I've always said it's kind of like when people say that they cannot believe in a God because they can't understand God. And I always, I always say, well, you're just disproving your whole argument because God is not meant to be understood if God could be understood and comprehended in all of his complexities, then guess what, you guys? He wouldn't be God. You would. Well, this doesn't logically make sense. Well, science, is, well, science hasn't proven anything. Science is just doing their best job at trying to explain what God has already done. And the Bible also doesn't really care to try and explain everything that science is trying to explain on its own. The Bible is not a science book. The Bible was meant to give us an understanding. One, one of the most basic, fundamental understandings of who God is. The Bible was meant to teach about God, not everything in the universe. The Bible was meant to teach us about who? About God and ways and metaphors and stories and inspired teachings and writings like Genesis from Father Moses. Okay, so this idea of day, some say that the day was a legitimate 24-hour day. Some say that these were periods. And there are people along the spectrum in different ways. But don't let it discourage you. Don't let it deter you from growing in your faith. As you grow in your faith, you got to mature in your faith. As you grow in your faith, you got to be able to have conversations with your children, with your grandchildren, with other people about things that cause you to scratch your head a little bit. You know what? And it's okay to say, you know, I don't have that answer. 
It's okay to say, I don't understand it all. It's okay to say, you know what? God is a mystery. Because if you ever tried to put God to the test, he will show up every time. He will show up and demonstrate who he is. And he allows us to go through things that even cause us to doubt his existence or his presence in our lives. And I know many of us have been at those places. Isn't that true? All right, here we go. Verse 14, and God said, let there be light. Lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark seasons and days and years. And let them be lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights. Everybody say God made. The greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. We all know them as the sun and the moon. Can I hear an amen? He also made the stars. God set them in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. So we see that Genesis takes us through the progressions of the different days. And you see the poetic style of the way Genesis was written and the consistency. Okay, There are some biblical scientists, all right, that will take this scripture and have, have actually broken down the book of Genesis, all right, in patterns and consistencies. There's also very, very many, uh, there's a bunch of stories where the Toledotes or, or the stories in the Bible, especially in Genesis, are consistent with other ancient Near East civilization literature. Don't let that shake your faith up either. Oh, well, what if they copied this? What if they copied that? Doesn't matter to me. Doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is that you grab your two fingers and pinch yourself and realize that you exist and someone created you. And he gave us eyes and ears. A genius, God, a cosmic engineer, wired us, created us, thought about us, and everything else in the universe. And all other possible universes that may be out there. You think about the great expanse and the, the, the immensity of God, it will blow you away. You think about the limitations that God has given to us in our ears and in our eyes. If we could see every color in the prism, we'd go blind. If you could hear every, every blade of grass grow, you'd go deaf. God has placed limitations upon us. God placed us specifically at the perfect distance between uh, uh, in, in our orbit around the sun so that we yet would not freeze and yet we would not bake. That's the genius God that created everything. And if it requires that we take a radical, crazy step of faith toward him and acknowledging what he has done 
take yourself, take your leg and put the one leg in front of the other and take the other leg and put the other leg in front of the other and start taking those steps to close the gap of where you are, where I am and where God is. So that we can start to grow in this relationship with his son Jesus that he created us for. Amen? You see, all this creation stuff was not meant so that we would just live in awe and wonder of this God, but never truly have a relationship with him. And that's why he gave us his son. Verse 20, and God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. So God created the creatures of the sea and every living and moving thing in which the water teems according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water and the seas and let the birds increase in the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. This is my, me and my son Judah's favorite portion of scripture in Genesis. My son Judah is a naturalist. My son would be, would, my 13-year-old would rather be chasing lizards in the field next door than doing anything else in the face of the earth. And that's the way God created him. My job is to bring the word of God to life with my son. My job is to get into the scriptures, get into the weeds of scripture and teach him who God is and how God created it all. So that as my son grows in his fascination with God's nature and with science and all of these things, he doesn't have to part ways with his faith in Jesus. He doesn't have to part ways with his God, the creator God, the God of his fathers, but he can marry the two. He can reconcile the two and see that the great God that, that I've learned to love and grow and learned all about is the same God that created these lizards and the things that I love to hold. Isn't that awesome? Guys, and that's where the, the scripture, that's where the scripture is meant to meet us wherever we're at. If you're the kind that likes to go to the, the shores of Redondo Beach, go all the way up until the water break where God said, stop. Where millions of years ago, that water was somewhere passing through all the way through Missouri and waterways. Just go to the Natural History Museum right here in Los Angeles where Judah and I are, are members. We even have a third buddy pass for any one of his little friends or cousins or our imaginary friends and we go and we look at the maps and we go yes millions of, look what god did right here son yeah god opens our minds and says, i wish i would have been able to see those dinosaurs just not the ones that would eat me god created man and woman at a time and a place where we could actually exist and not be eaten. So don't be afraid by the findings of modern science, paleontology. Open those articles that you get on your phone through your Apple News and read them. They're awesome. Don't be afraid to have questions and have, sip coffee and talk with your husband or your wife or your kids about the article you just read. Judah, check this out, bro. They just found some chariots at the bottom of the Red Sea. I hope it wasn't photoshopped. 
or the shells that they find at the top of Mount Ararat in the middle of the desert that proved the existence of Noah and the ark and the flood that was there, whether it was original flood or all over the earth. All we know is that it flooded the earth and all of civilization as they knew it. Are you hearing? Are you tracking with us, people of God? Don't check your mind in at the door when you come in to grow in, in your faith. Bring them both together. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, livestock creatures that move along the ground and wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And so many people will look at a lot of these teachings and we'll try to line them up and say, well, it does make sense. So God created the heavens and the earth and separated it all and has a sequence and it has a, a pattern and a rhythm. Okay, and then now God created shrubbery and God created vegetation and plants so that he could feed the creatures that he was going to make after. Then he was going to create the, the whole cycle of life in a systemic way. And then he was going to bring us to then go and start to name and give us dominion over the heavens and the earth. We're going we're gonna to stop right there in verse 25. Because we're going to pick up in verse 26. Because I believe it's part of the pericope in chapter 2. That goes into more detail about Adam and Eve. So I don't want to spoil that. We're going to wait for the next couple of weeks. To get into the weeds about God's creation of man and woman. Um, <clears throat> so we're going to wrap this up now. Um, I want to ask a question. How do we as Christians, as believers, maintain a theology, a worldview, that God is good. How do we? How do we how do we hold on to? How do we protect our belief? Our 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 mentality, our our attitudes that that God is good. What are some ways that we can live, what are some ways that we can talk? What are some ways that we can demonstrate? What are some ways that we can be witnesses to the fact that God is good and he's great? Anybody have any thoughts? Anybody? Miracles. Faith. Pushing through, holding on, leaning, leaning in. God showing up in miracles, doing signs and wonders that strengthen us. By providing Jehovah Jireh, God is our provider. 
seeing and saying about what the miracle was and is that happens or takes place in our life. You're going you're gonna to hate when I say this. Recently, just the other day, somebody stole our white church van. Yep. <clears throat> Don't get me started. But I was troubled for the whole day. So it was a whole bunch of things. Yesterday was like, right, Pastor Manuel? It was like, boom, 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 boom. And I was at Kaiser Hospital, and I had to wait in the waiting room until they let me in to visit some of our beloveds and, and pray. But as I was sitting there just like meditating on the Lord, troubled in my spirit, grappling in my mind of this, this idea that God is good, but if God is good, how could this happen? How could this be? And how could that be? And this woman was on the phone. This woman was on the phone. And I don't know what draw, drew my attention to her. All was, I just heard her all, over there across the room. She said, when people are guilty, they'll always be defensive. And then all of a sudden, she walked by and she said, when people are guilty, they will always be defensive. And then she said, I am telling you, when people are guilty, they will always be defensive. And I felt like it was like a, a circle that she had just walked around me, but there was nowhere to walk around. But it was just like, it was like slow motion. She said it like three or four times. When someone is guilty, they will always be the most defensive. And I was just like, Lord, are you speaking to me? So I'm like thinking like, so what am I supposed to be? Like Sherlock Holmes now? <laughs> Trying to figure this out? Is this an inside job? Is the people know what's going on here? I don't know, Lord. But... We have to have the audacity to actually believe and think that God, God was speaking to you or God was speaking to me right there through this woman that was walking right by. Otherwise, when you're not looking for God, when you're not expecting God, when you're not with your eyes on the lookout, you're not going to hear him. You're not going to see him. You're not going to experience him. You're not going to witness when God is at work. We have to, as believers, take by faith the, uh, the creation account that God is at work and God is good and God is great and that he cares about the, even the, the minutia of life. He cares about where you left your keys. He cares about that little prayer request. Yes, God is a God who intervenes. God intervenes. God will intervene in the most menial thing, God will just break into your life if you allow him. But if you don't invite God to, into your life, if you don't think God loves you enough to break into your life, to speak to you, to show you, to demonstrate, to prove to you that he is there, and guess what? He'll respect your wishes. He'll respect our wishes. But if we are audacious enough to invite God into our circumstances, into our lives. And guess what? He will meet us there. Those who are guilty will always be the most defensive. And I was sitting right there at Kaiser and I was just like, 
All right, Lord, I hear you. I hear you, God. Loudly and clearly, I hear you. I'm going to be in prayer. And I didn't let, we didn't let that get us down. Because God is good. And God is great. You're going through a tough time. Guess what? God's good. And you didn't hear me say he's still good. Because I don't need to. I don't need to emphasize. I don't need to change. I don't need an, adv an adjective. I don't need to preface the fact that God is good. Just God is good. He's not still good. Not in spite of. God is just good. He's a good God. He's a great God. And he loves you. And he loves me. He loves us here on the face of the earth. All of us who are here on the face of this earth. God loves us because we're his creation. We're the apple of his eye. He placed his image in us. He gave us free will. He gave us a conscience that is unlike anything that he ever created. God is good. And he's always at work. He's at work all around you. He's at work right now in this place. That prayer request that you have in your heart, he's at work on that right now. He's working on it. He's working on it because he's a good God. He's a good God. And he's a faithful God. I was driving here to church tonight after I dropped off my son at football practice. My daughter was sitting in the back seat. She's five years old. I don't know where this came from. She said, Daddy. And she was just a chatterbox tonight, Mama Lisi. She's just a chatterbox. She's starting to lose all her teeth. And she just said, Daddy, female dogs, they can't make babies all by themselves. They have to have a male dog also. I don't know where that came from. I said, absolutely. The conversations of creation, the conversations of God's nature and his natural order, are placed in the hearts of our children and have to be protected. It's the creation account of God, God's order, God's design. He's the cosmic engineer. Lola has not taken science classes. I've never, we've never talked to her about those things. She's a five-year-old. It's the word of God that's, it's, it's in us. It's built in us. The Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 33, that the word of God was placed into our hearts. 
into the heart of man, into the lave of man. The heart, the word is there. And we, the redeemed, everybody say the redeemed. Let's all stand to our feet right now. We are the redeemed of God. And the redeemed of God are being used to watch, watch this, to redeem the world. So it's Jesus in you, it's Jesus in you, it's Jesus in you, it's Jesus in you, it's Jesus in me that God is using to redeem the world. We're all a part of God's creation plan, and we're also a part of his redemption plan. 